Hey, how is everybody doing? You doing all right? I got up this morning, I saw that weather, and I thought, I wonder if we'll have a smaller church today. So congratulations, well done for making it out. Hey, I just also want to do one thing before I even kick off. Is that okay? Can I pray for our cousins uh, in the States at the moment? Um, You know, wherever you are, whatever your political views are, I think we should be praying for our leaders. So could we just join and pray for them? Would that be okay? Uh, Father, we thank you um, that you are in control. Lord, that you knew what's going to happen. And so, Father, we just pray that we would um, be lifting up uh, the uh, the incoming um, uh, president and uh, the, that administration. Lord, we pray a blessing on them. Lord, we pray a blessing on everybody in that situation. And, Lord, we just pray for peace that transcends all understanding and all circumstances as well. Lord, we just pray that there would be a blanket of peace and there would be unity on that country in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. Let's pray for our leaders. All right. Hey, we are uh, finishing off our First John series. Uh, so First John chapter 5, that's what we're doing today. So I kicked us off with First John chapter 1, and then First uh, John chapter 2 was with Warren. Uh, John chapter, First John chapter 3 was with uh, Mike Robb, uh, and John chapter 4 was with Lyndon, and then I'm going to finish us off today. Now here's the thing. I want to do a little bit of a caveat before we kick things off. Anyone get a chance to read First uh, John chapter 5 during the week? Some of us. You might have seen that it's quite a difficult piece of Scripture to read. In fact, quite a lot of theologians and historians and biblical scholars say that First John chapter 5 is one of the most difficult to kind of categorize. He really, you know, authors, especially in first century Israel, what they love to do is have systems and structure to how they wrote things, a beginning, a middle, an end, uh, and they had all these sort of like Hebraic structures within a letter. And as we talked about, we don't really see that in John. In fact, there's really only one kind of structure that John has in first, uh, in first John, and we're going to read that. In fact, in Second John and Third John, the structure, the normal sort of structure we would see starts to appear. It's almost like he wrote it really quickly, um, and there's some great stuff in there. But John chapter, First John chapter 5 uh, is a bit of a recap of some theological statements that he has made through 1 to 5. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to take the theme uh, that we see in chapter 5 and the theme that we see over the Bible. Uh, oh, well, over, sorry, First John. Is that cool? Sweet. All right, Lord, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that you are with us, that you are speaking to us. Lord, it isn't about any one person, but it's about your word uh, speaking into our hearts. In your mighty name, amen. Hey, so chapter 5. Uh, First John is a book of statements and the implications of living out those statements. John is all about making a statement, and then he says, if you do this, this will happen. If you do this, that will happen. Uh, And so we can get a bit of an example of that in uh, chapter 5, sorry, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him, and declare to you God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Theological statement, and then there's an implication followed straight after in verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. Statement, implication. He weaves that all the way through 1 John. Makes a statement and then says this is what will happen. And uh, chapter 5 is no different. In fact, it's even more so like that. Statement, 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 implication, implication, implication. John is writing to clarify how we are saved and how we know with certainty 
and he gives us signs for that. So remembering that 1 John is predominantly written to Christians, and his big picture, John's big idea is this. This is how you know that you are saved. That's his big concept. And as we've talked about, 1 John uh, has more mentions of the word love than any other New Testament book. Uh, in fact, any book in the Bible, there's more mentions in uh, this five, I think there's 52 mentions of the word love uh, in this five short chapters. So he gives us three signs. We're going to move through these really quickly um, because, well, I think that was a great message in and of itself. And what I want to do today is I want to just really sit around this idea of what it looks like to be a child of God and to love God and to love his children. But here's these three points that John is making. So the first sign about how you know you're a Christian is your theology, John says. He says the first sign is theological. Uh, Verse 11, I think it's uh, chapter 3, verse 11. And this is the testimony God has given us, eternal life, and this uh, life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has the life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So he's saying, as Christians, we should understand what we believe. If someone in an elevator said to you, hey Horatio, could you give me a minute about how, why you believe what you believe? I think as mature Christians, we have a responsibility to have that. Does anyone here think they could give a testament or, or give a reason why they believe what they believe in a minute? Put your hands up if you think you can. Okay, there's only a few of us, and I suspect those people that feel like they could is because they probably have worked on it. So that's maybe my first point, that working on your testimony, uh, working on your understanding and your theology around why you believe what you believe. So he's saying the first thing that you will know that you are a child of God is your theology is sound, it's good, and you're able to declare that. The second thing, real quickly, is uh, a moral sign. So John talks about how we should really stand out, we should be different, and that we should no longer sin. Uh, No one uh, who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Who here was for my first Sunday in the first John series where we did the light and the dark? Can you throw your hands up just to get a bit of an idea? I got a big light. We turned the light on and turned all the rest of the lights off. And we talked about how in 1 John chapter 1, he talks about um, sinning is walking in darkness. It's not just being in darkness momentarily, it's walking in darkness, walking in a separation with God. And then I talked about how when we come in, I stepped back into the light and you could see me, and I talked about how when we do that, we are close to God. But occasionally, sometimes, as you well know, you're not perfect. You make mistakes, I make mistakes, we sin. And it's not like we're walking in the darkness necessarily, but there is an object between you and God, and it casts a bit of a shadow. And here's the thing, we can always go to God, we can repent, and we can ask for forgiveness. So, But we should stand out, we should look different to everybody else. There is a moral difference between us and those around us. John says that's one way we stand out. And the third sign is loving others. He is all about that, and that's going to lead us into chapter 5. There's some verses there. But simply put, John says, you cannot hate people and love God. I might even go further and say, you cannot hate a person and truly be living in the fullness 
of God's love. First John chapter 5 summarized. Um, it says this in the uh, Living Bible uh, paraphrase, not normally a scripture that I, a uh, interpretation that I would use, but um, like I said, First John can be quite difficult to read. He says things in a difficult way, but not wrong, just difficult, different to what maybe how I would have done it, but that's okay. But he says this, if you believe that Jesus is Christ, that he is God's son and your savior, then you are a child of God and all who love the father love his children too. So if you love, um, if you love the one that gave you new life, the implication is then that we love all those who he gave life to as well, right? Uh, my father-in-law often says, you can't say you love God but hate his kids. And I don't think there's necessarily a whole bunch of us sitting here going, oh, I hate people. But I'm going to be honest with you for a second. I don't know about you, but did you see people on the internet over lockdown? Did you see some of the comments? Did you see some of the comments about political figures from Christians? Anyone see anything like that? And it just, I look at this and I go, I don't know how you're loving that person. I don't know how you're lifting that person up. Seems to me that you are pulling that person down. Now, sure, maybe they have uh, ramifications of what they've said or done, for sure. But God loves them. We should be praying for them. We should be lifting people up. Um, and I think that God's saying, you know, there's not one or the other. There is two sides to a coin here. God's saying, if you love me, you will love others. And if you love others, you love me. Do you, hear, do you hear the subtle difference there? You should be able to tell that someone loves Jesus in the way that they love other people. It should be so obvious. When I was 17 and I, got, uh, I went down to Invercargill, the immediate thing, the immediate thing that surprised me about Christians wasn't their theology wasn't even the church. It was about love. And I say that, but I mean in every aspect, they loved me. They got involved in my life and they were the hands and feet of Jesus. Like Fiona said, they got involved in my life. And I couldn't believe this group of people were so caring, so loving, so gentle. It changed my life forever. And it was a pathway for me to meet Jesus. So loving God and loving his children are the same thing. When you love his children, you're loving God. And I don't think they're mutually exclusive. If someone says, I love God and he hates a fellow uh, believer, that person is a liar. First John 4.20. Now, hate is a strong word. But what about if we replaced hate with gossiped? What about if we replaced hate with talked behind their back? What about if we replaced hate with a nasty comment on Facebook? I think we can all be accused sometimes of being harsher, being less loving than God is calling us to be. So what is loving someone? Just want to take a couple of points, a couple of ideas. What does loving someone look like? Love doesn't presume, love shows, and love is generous. I love that testimony of Fiona's. A generous group of people going, no, 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 you're not going to live like that. We're going to get involved in your life. We're gonna, it's going to cost us, but we're going to get involved in your life. That is a community of believers. It's fantastic. Love chases after. Love seeks truth. And love sets boundaries, not prison cells. So I write that, you know, a loving relationship says, 
hey, if it's not a great relationship, you could say, hey, this is the rules. This is the expectation. You're going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm expecting from you that you're going to behave like this and I'll behave like that and we will honor each other and we will respect and we will try and work this out between us. Love doesn't say, hey, it's my way or the highway. Love doesn't say, you know, um, you, uh, our, our relationship is conditional to agreement. Danny Silk says that. Love isn't conditional to agreement. You can, you can love someone and be in disagreement, but you'll get people that will manipulate situations and say, hey, we can only be in relationship when we are in agreement. I remember I had a friend a few years ago um, who came out of the closet. turned out he was gay. Uh, he wasn't actually a Christian. Um, and he messaged me and said, are you still a Christian? And I said, yeah, yeah, I am. And he said, hey, I just want to let you know that I'm deleting you off Facebook. I was like, ah, oh, okay, why is that, Jordan? Uh, and he's like, well, um, you don't believe what I believe, and I can't get around what you believe, so I don't even want to have anything to do with you, even though we'd had years of friendship. Totally upset me, went to respond, and he'd blocked me. Even though I had nothing, we'd had a great relationship. And it was really sad that he was like, no, 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 we're different. We can no longer be in relationship. It really hurt my feelings, and it was something I had to really chase after. So uh, what what does loving someone look like? Love looks to unify. Love seeks peace, not always friendship, but love, uh, but it always seeks peace. In Ephesians 4, it says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Uh, I think it was Mike that said it. You don't have to love everyone. Sorry, yes, you do. You do have to love everyone. You don't have to like or be friends with everybody in church, right? You don't have to be in your workplace, but you are called to love them. And I don't think that you can be in a fully loving relationship with God where you've got anger, hate, distrust. Now we're going to talk about how we deal with that in a moment. Uh, Loving, lovable people is easy. You know, there are people in our lives that are really easy to be kind to. Does anyone have anyone in their life? Don't make eye contact with anyone. Does anyone have anyone in their life that isn't that lovable? Just these people on this side of the room. Okay, right. You guys must have had a conference beforehand. You said we're, we're going to sit on this side. I don't know about you, but I do. I have people that are, are tough to love. And often it's because they've thrown stuff at me. They've had a go at me. And I'm like, you know what? I've still got to love them. And for me in my role, I've still got to pass to them. I've still got to love them and, and really, really, really love them. And love is chasing after. Love is keeping a short account Love is saying, hey, there's something in between us. Let's have a conversation. Um, Love always costs. And some of the most generous uh, people I've ever seen uh, are the people, they're the most sacrificial. They're willing. They're willing to chase after uh, relationship because of the love they have. We were having a, well, I I say we, but my lovely wife was having a great conversation with our almost eight-year-old about tithing this morning. And he's got, $15.70 because he counted it like 25 times. And he's sitting there and then we were just, Hannah was just talking about tithing and both of them were like this. And Luca, who's five, is just like, yeah, I don't want to give money to God. I just want it for presents, which is understandable for a five-year-old. But Isaac's sitting there and he's like, okay, uh, I'm going to give 40 cents. We're like, cool, okay, you feel, you you do what you want to do. And then I'm in the kitchen and he comes up to me and he goes, dad, because he's got two $5 notes and a bunch of coins. 
And he's like, Dad, I really love God. And if the money's for God, I'm going to give $5. And his face just looked like someone had shot his pet. But he was just like, I'm going to do it because I love God. And I was like, high five, buddy. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. But he's like, no, I want to do it. We came in and he ran up to the box and put it in and then checked it several times to make sure no one had stolen it. Uh, but it was, it was awesome. Love costs. And he was like, you know, this, and for an eight-year-old to go, yep, I'm going to take one of my $5 notes and give it to God. Uh, it was a really awesome step for him. I think John says this, that you do not live in the fullness of his love yet if you're not fully loving. How do we do that? Um, I think we do it through Jesus, but it's interesting. In verse 3, it says, In fact, this love for God is to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. Well, I don't know about you, but a sacrifice, a cost, that feels like a burden to me. And here's where it comes through this is the how. You love like God when you spend time in God's love, you love like God when you spend time with him. You start to see the character of God. You start to see what God, how he feels for you. When I watch testimonies like this, I'm like, that's right. God loves you. God loves me. You know, loving is uh, this relationship with God, understanding that he loves us is so important for our day-to-day relationship. I had a breakthrough moment when I was 18. I think I've told the story once before. Uh, when I was in Invercargill, and I was a broken teenager. I've said this many times. And I had multiple relationships on the go uh, with the opposite sex uh, at, at the time. And one time our, our youth pastor found out. And he said, Drake, I need you. You're going to come and have a meeting at my house. And he was a giant 11-foot, one-eyed, tattooed Samoan. Um, and you know, the funny thing is I've sold this story. And I think it was... Kath Sutherland, we were at some conference and he was there and she was like, Dre, he's not 11 foot tall. And like in my mind, he's this giant, like scary beast. Um, but I'm taller than him now. But anyway, <clears throat> I mean, <clears throat> I'm taller than him now. Anyway, so I go around to his house and he says, hey, Dre, did this happen, this happen, and this happen? And I remember looking at him in the eyes and this is my first encounter with unconditional love. And I went, yes, yeah, yeah, it has happened immediately going, well, this is it. This is my Christian walk finished. They're not going to want me or love me. That is literally my, my reality at that time. That's what was going to happen. I was done. They were going to tell me to leave, and that was it, because that's what had been modeled to me, that I was always chasing after uh, love and acceptance and permission from my own earthly father, but seemed so distant from me that whenever I just had conditioned myself to never make mistakes, And if I did, I tried to hide them. And so here I am in the middle of this, and I was like, okay. And I just wanted to leave and run away. And this guy grabbed me and hugged me and says, I love you. I so love you. You you are awesome. And he just spent the next 20 minutes. He took two minutes to rack me over the knuckles and then spent 20 minutes telling me how awesome I was. And I had never cried in front of a man before, and I was bawling like a little baby. And I remember afterwards, someone started mocking me, and he walked into the room. They're like, oh, yeah, you're this, 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 and this. And he lovingly uh, rebuked them. And I remember looking, going, I was in the wrong. Why would you stand up for me? I was in the wrong. And it it was a season of my life where I was so amazed, and it reflected to me the love that God has for me. So you understand the love of God when you experience the love of God through others and experience the love of God through time with God.
I want you to remember this statement. If you're writing anything down, write this down. We're God's kids. God is love. Love God's kids. Very simple. We're God's kids. God is love. Love God's kids. One way that we can do that, if you ever see this verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, who, when they got married, used 1 Corinthians 13 in their wedding? Yeah, we weren't going to. It was the one thing I told uh, Pastor Garth Chimpoy not to do, and he forgot his notes, so he started with that verse, but that's okay. We love it. It's good. It just got used a lot at that time. And you'll be familiar with this verse, love is patient, love is kind, and I've said this before, one thing that could be really helpful for you, next time you see 1 Corinthians 13, why don't you put your name in there? If your name is Dave, Dave is patient, Dave is kind, Dave does not envy. Do we have any Daves here? does not boast, is not arrogant or rude. Dave does not insist on his own way. And you can write that down. That's really helpful. Hey, can I get the worship team up, please? Um, Would you stand to your feet with me? I've just got a couple of things. You know, a sermon shouldn't be good or bad. A sermon should be wrestled with. Uh, That's what um, Shane Willard says. And a sermon should have something that you can take home with. And so, I've been thinking about that and praying about it, and I felt like God gave me three things that I felt like He was saying that God was that He was saying that those of us here we can connect with these three things. There's one of these things for you. One of these things is something that God is saying you could work on. And so, one of these three things, there's three areas that I think that we can learn uh, to 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 love others even better. Spend time with God. Do that, learn to understand who He is. But there are relationships in your life today, in 2020, where loving that person takes truth. It takes a hard conversation. For some of us, it's loving takes patience. I really felt truth and patience were the things God wanted me to talk about. There's patience. You need patience in a situation. And then the third one, is loving takes generosity. And my prayer and hope today is that you would choose one of these three. Ask yourself the question, how do I need to be truthful to be loving? Where can I love through patience? And show me where my love can show through generosity. Can we take 30 seconds and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us which one of those is for us? And maybe the name of the person, the face of the person, or the family. I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, speak to us now. Lord, if nothing else, we would come away with an action that you would reveal to us in our own spirits that we can love someone with patience where we haven't been patient before. That's a declaration on our lives today. Lord, that truth would be the way forward in a relationship. Or generosity would be the pathway forward. Speak to us now, Holy Spirit, we ask.